Dear friends, I urge you, as foreigners and exiles, to abstain from sinful desires which wage war against your soul. Live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority, whether to the emperor as a supreme authority or to governors who are sent by him to punish those who do wrong and to commend those who do right. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Live as free people, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Show proper respect to everyone, love the family of believers, fear God, honour the emperor. Slaves, in reverent fear of God, submit yourselves to your masters, not only to those who are good and considerate, but also to those who are harsh. For it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. But how is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable before God. To this you were called, because Christ suffered for you, leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. He committed no sin, and no deceit was found in his mouth. When they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, so that we might die to sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Good morning, everybody. Um, my name's Chris. If I haven't met you before, I'd, I'd love to meet you. Um, before I get, we get stuck into God's word today, um, I'm just going to uh, pray for us. Um, Father, thank you so much uh, that we can come together today um, to look at your word. I pray that you help us to uh, have our hearts and minds open to be um, shaped by your word. Um, and I pray that you help us um, to be yeah, challenged by your word and to be able to um, have yeah, good, uh, productive conversations uh, afterwards in your son's name. Amen. Cool. So there's many different governing authorities around the world. Uh, some aren't so good and, and, and some are great. Uh, there's strict ones such as in, in North Korea where you're prohibited from wearing blue jeans. And there's ones which allow uh, plenty of freedoms, like here in Australia, where you can wear any kind of pants that you'd like. Um, or if you happen to be a, a Tibetan monk um, and you're claiming uh, to be reincarnated as a, a Buddhist teacher or a lama, um, such as the Dalai Lama, well, it's, it's harder than you think. Um, under the State Religious Affairs Baru Order Number no. 5, titled Measures on the Management of the Reincarnation of Living Buddhas, you are required to file an application with the Chinese government to be approved as a reincarnated lama. Um, or if you're holding on to your, your fashionable, fashionable uh, luscious mullet um, and you plan to holiday in Iran, well, it's going to be a bit tricky. You'll, you'll have to cut off your mullet because mullets are prohibited in Iran. <clears throat> so countries, they usually have systems in place to determine and uphold various standards of law. Uh, here in Australia, we have a democratic uh, political system governing the country. 
and with this there are other bodies which enforce the law such as uh, the police force uh, the council um, and tax system and so these authorities are there to uh, implement consequences and also approve people who are doing the right thing if you for example park in a restricted parking zone um, for longer than the time um, you're permitted, then you end up getting a fine. Or if you build something in your backyard which doesn't meet council regulations, then you'll um, end up having to tear that down if you found out. Or if you uh, commit tax fraud, a number of years later, you may be audited um, with our advanced computer systems and you'll be um, slapped with a heavy fine. We may also come across laws that we feel get in our way. Um, I don't know if you've been on many bushwalks before, but uh, you may come across uh, places where um, you want to get to, but there's a, a sign in the way which says, denies you access. It's, it's telling you you can't go forward past this sign because um, it may be dangerous or something like that. And so um, well, what do you do in that situation? Do you, do you walk past the sign and, and go to the location that you want to go to, or you just look at the, um, the, the boring view that everyone else gets to look at um, from the lookout. <clears throat> Another example is if you need medical treatment for a serious illness, there's laws and systems in place that may hold you back from receiving the treatment that you need. What do you do then? Do you follow the system uh, where you're prescribed things that may make you worse? Or do you find an alternative method that alleviates suffering? What, what do you do in those situations? Uh, the authorities that I mentioned earlier, they have the power to take action on social laws set by the government to protect people and to de develop the country economically. And so we are coming into a time where Australian law and public ethical opinions are becoming more and more aggressive towards Christians. Uh, what we are seeing is this, this social shift where Christians will be faced with more hostility. A society where Christians may end up losing their reputation and even their jobs because of their faith. Have you experienced anything like this before? Or are you fearing um, the time when you may experience this? In 2017, Dr. Stephen Chavura, who's a lecturer at the Macquarie University, um, he was targeted for persecution by an activist. And so he was potentially going to lose his job uh, due to his participation and, and beliefs um, expressed privately. And so that is at a, a Christian organisation called the Lachlan Macquarie Institute, where they discuss and work to influence public policy. And so this was going to be a result of the university not wanting any staff members to have beliefs contrary to the, their ethics. And it's not that Stephen made an offensive statement at a university event, it's that they didn't want to be associated with anyone who has opposing beliefs, and that particularly related to same-sex marriage. Uh, the tides are turning for Christians, and our opinions are unfavoured, and our uh, privileges are being removed. In a society that's just marginalising Christians more and more, we need to think through what we can be doing when faced with situations like Dr. Chavira has. 
the passage that we're looking at today, it includes some um, instructions on how to live a godly life in a world that's becoming more hostile to Christians. And this is my overarching question for us today. How can we live a godly life in the face of hostility? How can we live a godly life in the face of hostility? Uh, So far uh, in 1 Peter, we've been looking at how the the Christians at the time have been persecuted. And if you remember back in week one, at the start of chapter one, um, the Christians were driven out of their homeland into other regions and they were exiled. Now foreigners living in another land and the Christian culture um, is contrary to the culture that's around them and the society they're in. And so Peter, he encourages them to live a godly life amongst the people who are persecuting them. Even though here in Australia, we may not experience severe persecution, like what happened, say, in the the 1500s, where in England people were burnt to the stake for their faith, Um, we can use this instruction on how to live a godly life in our context regarding the aggression that we are receiving and even the harsher aggression that we may be receiving in the future. The first how that I'd like to point out is in uh, verse 11, which says that we need to abstain from sinful desires. We need to abstain from sinful desires. If we experience um, unfair treatment because of um, being a Christian in public or in the workforce, it can be tempting to retaliate in a way that brings harm to the other person. Uh, When I was 17, I played a rugby league for the Robertson Spuddies. And so uh, we were versing a team where half, half of the team uh, were Ireland. It was, it was a pretty intimidating match, met, yeah, twice my size. <clears throat> so one of our players um, annoyed yeah, one of the other players um, a bit too much. And so he ended up taking a swing um, during the middle of the match. And my mate, he ducked uh, just in time and, and missed being um, knocked on the head. <clears throat> Um, if my mate, if, if he fought back, it would have turned into a, a bloodbath. And so, like a fight breaking out on a, foot, a sports field, uh, people are quick to retaliate when it comes to ethics. As soon as someone throws a punch, um, two people start brawling and it escalates until someone gets seriously injured or a teammate drags you off the field. <clears throat> This is where uh, the Christian exiles would have felt the pressure to bring justice by sinning towards their persecutors. So much that uh, Peter in verse 11, he calls it a war waged against their soul. Their persecution must have been horrendous. And if we were treated so harshly that we were to be driven out of our home, we'd be pretty angry, wouldn't we? If our house was burnt down, if we, our means of income was removed, our possessions stolen because of our faith, we'd be tempted to fight back. And it's in our human nature to bring justice, to respond in a way that brings the same level of suffering to the other person. Instead, we're told to do the opposite, to live good lives, doing good deeds, as written in verse 12. And what's their motivation behind this? Seems odd. Well, it's that the people who are causing the suffering 
to the, the Christians, well, they can be convinced that their God the vic- of their victims follow the one true, truly good God. And so if our reaction is a loving one, well, hopefully they will feel shame for their actions and even consider choosing to follow God and to bow down to him just as the Christians do when he returns on judgment day. As the passage puts it at the end of verse 12, that they will glorify God on the day he visits us. Another way that Christians are instructed to live godly lives among their persecutors is by obeying their laws. The instruction that Peter gives to the Christians is to submit to every human authority, which is our next how. That we need to obey the law. That we need to obey the law. Verse 13 puts it like this. Uh, Submit yourselves for the Lord's sake to every human authority. This is because the Christians may be seen as a group um, that's working against the authorities. And that is at the time the governors and the emperor. And so by obeying the authorities, it removes any reason for them to be accused of treason, committing treason. In turn, God is represented well, which means that it is the duty of the Christians to obey the law that they are under. And the word submit here, and when we hear it, it can have this negative connotation to it. Um, Here it means to obey or to do what the authority says. And it sounds like something that we don't want to do, like being treated uh, like a doormat. Um, And we think of it as a negative thing, but here in the Bible, it's used and we're told to submit. And so God's showing us that it is something good to do. And it's deciding to be under the authority of another. And so so submitting, it is something that we all do regularly without realising it. And some examples include uh, slowing down when you see a speed limit sign, uh, doing what your boss asks you to do at work, turning your music down when your neighbour yells at you, uh, paying your rent or your mortgage, uh, things like these. Uh, in all these, these cases and other cases, it involves respecting others and um, protecting others and yourself by submitting. And so we do need to put ourselves under the law. The motivation behind the submission is not for the benefit of the authority, but of Jesus. As he says in verse 13, that it's for the Lord's sake. The Christians need to choose to submit to the authorities so that they can be good representatives of God. And so this is similar to the first point we looked at, um, to live good lives in our society so that people will glorify God on the day he visits us. Verse 15, it it provides the reason behind needing to submit. It says, um, for it is by God's will that by doing good, you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish people. Uh, The Christians were being treated harshly because of their faith. But if they follow the civil authorities, then their accusations become invalid. Those talking ill of the Christians end up looking like fools, hopefully, and they end up being silent because the law that they have set is actually being obeyed. Um, Just as Peter commands the Christians who are foreigners and exiles uh, to submit to him every human authority, we should do so as well because we are representing um, Jesus to whoever we interact with. 
Here in Australia, we are very blessed to have an authority that has a, a lot of good laws compared to other countries. So for us here in our congregation, um, we're good at obeying the, the publicly seen laws, but there's a, a lot of little laws which are hidden and which are tempting to be, um, which we are tempted to disobey, such as speeding or texting while driving or pirating media um, or not wearing a helmet when you're riding a bike, things like that that can represent Jesus poorly if someone finds out. So we are to submit to our civil authorities. But what about laws contrary to God's standards that don't restrict the tyranny of sin? That take us to, to our next tower, which is in conjunction with submitting to the authorities. It is that we should live as God's slaves, which is our next tower, that we should live as God's slaves. If you look at verse 16, the Christians are instructed uh, to freely choose to submit to the human authorities. It says, live as free people. However, if the human authority commands Christians to sin, then Christians should not use this as an excuse to sin. The verse continues with the phrase, but do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as God's slaves. Christians should ultimately obey God's ethical standards, even if the law allow, that the authorities have set allows Christians to sin. These authorities in the letter may have um, ethical standards that do conflict with God's, and to live a good life to their standard is to obey their laws. And this is because God has appointed human th- authorities the responsibility um, to create laws and hold people to it. And so being man-made laws means that they can be corrupt and they may not be for the benefit of the civilians and can most certainly conflict with God's standards. Here in Australia, our laws allow a lot of freedom compared to most countries in the world, though with our laws changing regarding sensitive topics as LGBT rights, Abortion, euthanasia, euthanasia, uh, questions about freedom boundaries are contentious. In 2017, there were three men uh, in Canberra who were fined for praying outside of an abortion clinic. Um, They refused to pay the fine and it was taken to court and the charges were uh, dismissed because what they were doing didn't qualify as protesting. Uh, They were lucky, but... What further restrictions and heavier penalties will be brought upon uh, people in the future? Will the laws that allow conscientious objection regarding abortions and euthanasia for doctors be removed? Will pastors be obligated to marry whomever uh, approaches them for a ceremony or suffer the consequences? We may end up in a society uh, where we are obligated to adhere to laws that conflict with our conscience. A society where we could lose, almost lose our job, or lose it, like um, Dr. Chivira almost did. And we should also be wise in our submission to laws that permit us to the tyranny of sin. Because what happens if the authority tells you to do something that contradicts what God says? Uh, There are limits to our obedience to authority, and we can look at an example in Acts chapter 4, verses 18 to 20, where Peter and John are on trial 
for talking to the people about Jesus. And so it says, uh, Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. Peter and John, they were commanded not to speak about their faith. And if they agreed to this, well, they'd be disobeying God. And if they obeyed God, well, they risk being punished. And so um, Peter and John, they remained faithful to God and said um, no. And so the, thankfully, the authorities didn't let them go. But what if we are forced into a corner like this? What if we have a gospel conversation at work and we... Someone doesn't like it and we uh, risk losing our job or we start getting treated unfairly. This isn't always easy and each situation is its own case which does require prayer and wisdom and talking uh, to other Christians around you. It's not just civil authorities that Christians are instructed to submit to. Uh, Peter, he he narrows the focus down to more regular interactions with the day-to-day masters, which is our next how that we need to submit to our masters. That we need to submit to our masters. Uh, the letter goes on to explain to Christian slaves that they should submit to their masters, and it doesn't matter whether their master is good or, or inconsiderate or harsh. They should obey what they say. But this kind of slavery it's talking about is um, different to the type of slavery that you're, you're probably thinking of right now. This slavery is... Um, more like someone living on the property of their master who is given food and shelter and attends to the master's requests. Um, but Peter, he's addressing a common occurrence uh, amongst slaves. It's that they're being mistreated. And this instruction, it may not make much sense. Uh, what reason does someone have to submit to someone who's treating them poorly? If we look at verse 19, he gives us the reason behind it. Um, for it is commendable if someone bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because they are conscious of God. The perseverance through the unjust treatment deserves praise. However, if the Christians were choosing to do the wrong thing and they were treated harshly for it, well, it, it doesn't deserve praise. They just did what they, um, they just get, got what they deserved. Since our in our economy, we don't have slavery as a means uh, to pay back debt. It is tricky to translate this application to the modern um, day. We aren't slaves to a master like there was in the first century, but we do have our authorities at work, our bosses at work, and so our supervisors, managers, and other colleagues. In our workplaces, there are certain responsibilities that we need to follow, and they may be things like um, using equipment safely and correctly, correctly, are doing a job that may not be as pleasant, are wearing personal protective equipment, completing a job in a certain amount of time. Um, These are all things that we do need to submit to our authorities in doing at work. And thankfully, if they are just, uh, are unjust while we're doing our working, here in Australia, we have laws that do uh, protect uh, civilians, protect workers 
uh, when abuse happens. And so it can be re reported to organisations such as Fair Work who can, will take action. And sometimes we may be a bit too quick um, to rush to um, our rights and instead we can wisely choose to obey what they ask and put in a good name as followers of Jesus. Sometimes we can be stuck not knowing with how to, what, um, with how to respond or whether to report issues or fearing losing our job or f further unfair in in treatment. And if that's you, then please do uh, get an external opinion, chat to another Christian uh, you know here or even one of the pastors uh, to work out what a wise decision is uh, regarding that. But what if we disobey our authorities at work for bad reasons? Well, we put a, a bad impression on Jesus um, to our, towards our boss. If we're putting in a poor effort at work, uh, then we're putting in a poor effort for Jesus. Who would want to follow Jesus if the people who follow him are lazy and unproductive, dishonest, disrespectful, constantly complaining, not just with work ethic, but with sinfulness in the workplace as well? If we're being sinful um, and the people around us at work see that, well, why on earth would they want to follow Jesus and just look like hypocrites? The result is others won't see the difference that a godly life makes compared to an ungodly life. So how can we show others that there's this, a positive difference in our lives when we follow Jesus? When we do suffer for doing good, what, why on earth should we submit to harsh authorities? As this world gets harder and harder for Christians to live in, what will motivate us to live a godly life in the face of future persecution? And this brings us to the example given to us by God to follow. The reason why we should submit to our authorities without sinning and be godly is because Jesus did. Let's look at verse 23. It says, When they hurled insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. Jesus, he endured suffering uh, leading up to the cross and on it. And the remarkable thing is he did not sin during this time. Instead, he submitted to the authorities. Look at verse 22. It says, He committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. He didn't entertain the persecution by fighting back. He didn't spit at those who were uh, causing him harm. He didn't threaten to hurt them. He didn't throw insults at them. Why? Because he entrusted his life to God the Father's will and his purpose for the good of the human race. And while Jesus was on the cross, um, Apostle Luke records this phenomenal statement that he makes. It's in Luke chapter 23, verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they are doing. Jesus was doing this great thing, yet had sympathy for those who were causing him harm. He did not retaliate as he was led to the cross. And we ourselves should not retaliate when we have insults thrown at us or we have threats made against us. Someone to harm, insult or mock you for doing good and the way that you respond is by not sinning, not harming or insulting them back, how do you think they will respond? It's kind of a, a confusing reaction, isn't it? If they keep trying to pull you down, 
and you react calmly, they may end up embarrassing themselves, wouldn't they? Their actions aren't justified because this kind of response, because of the kind of response, and so they may end up feeling ashamed for what they have done. Uh, Jesus isn't just an example to follow. There's something amazing that he also achieved on the cross. And there's a number of verses with quotation marks around them, um, if you notice that in the passage. And this is where Peter, he's referencing the Old Testament prophet Isaiah hundreds of years before Jesus came to earth. And so the four quotes are, he committed no sin and no deceit was found in his mouth. Um, He himself bore our sins. By his wounds you have been healed. You are like sheep going astray. These are all prophetic statements that show that Jesus wasn't just an example of living. His death on the cross achieved something remarkable for us. The wonderful prophecy that Peter points out that we should focus on is in verse 24. He himself bore our sins. He himself bore our sins. Jesus was the one and only sacrifice worthy to take on all of our sin, and he's taking it all onto himself. And to receive this, we need to turn to him. We need to repent. We need to turn our lives around and follow him. Everyone here on earth um, are referred to here as sheep, which you can see in the quote from Isaiah, you were like sheep gone astray. We who are the sheep have rejected God, and we live under this tyranny of sin. We need to turn around and come back to God. And this is so that returning to God, he can give us this gracious gift of eternal life if we trust in what Jesus has done, if we trust that what he's done on the cross has taken on all of our sin. So all of us here are in different situations and submission um, does look, can look very different for each of us. And so we need to think about what submission looks like in our context and what attitude we have towards submitting. Maybe we uh, outwardly submit, but inside we just don't want to do it and we just begrudgingly um, um, do it. And so we should have a desire to submit um, for Jesus. And so right now we might find it very hard, not find it very hard to live as Christians, especially compared to the rest of the world. Though over the following decades, we may see changes in the law where Christians are no longer protected. We may become a country where freedom of religion and freedom of speech has restrictions placed on it. Where a conflicting ethical opinion expressed may be um, labelled as hate speech and we can uh, go to prison for that. And so since we do have the opportunity to influence the direction of our society, we should take action on that um, where we can right now. Because when the, the persecution dial gets turned up, we need to be ready to live the way that God wants us to live when we are faced with hostility. We need to look to Jesus as the example of following, living a godly life and submitting to harsh authorities. Since he's the only way for our persecutors to be saved from God's judgment, we also need to make sure that we don't refrain um, from sharing the gospel um, to those who we submit to. And we shouldn't be afraid of the consequences when doing this because their salvation is 
is crucial and we should care about them regarding that. Um, if you're a praying kind, please pray with me. Father, um, help us to make wise decisions uh, when we yeah, come across our law and authorities, Lord. Help us to um, be willing to yeah, submit um, yeah, to, to what they say wisely, Lord. And um, if we can stand up for our rights, Lord, help us to have the courage to do that. Lord, I pray that you help us to have an attitude um, of submitting because of the Lord's sake and because we're putting in a, a good name for Jesus as Christians. And I pray that um, in doing so, we can be a witness to Christ and that um, people we know can put their trust in Jesus uh, through our yeah, good deeds and our godly lives. And I pray that you help us to have the self-control to do that, um, Lord. And um, please help us to yeah, feel the urgency to share the gospel um, with even those who are persecuting us so that we can see them saved and see them um, yeah, on good terms with God on Judgment Day. His son's name.